Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, zooming in all the way from in and around Detroit, Michigan, we've got a very experienced real estate entrepreneur, Robert Purcell. And Robert's been investing in real estate for over a decade now, close to 13 years, I think it is. And he focuses on something near and dear to my heart. And those are creative type deals, working as, as much as possible directly with home sellers, getting into deals creatively, and ideally getting out of them creatively as well. So Robert, welcome to the show. Great to meet you. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're you're doing with real estate investing and maybe start off with what sparked your interest in the first place. And I'll I'll see if it's something similar that sparked my interest in creative deals back in the day. Sure. Uh, well, it started for me. I mean, my parents have had rentals before I was born. So I kind of grew up with that. I wasn't really involved. Uh, sometimes uh, he, my dad would take me to one of the houses to help him paint or, or something, refresh in between tenants. We call but that child labor. We call that yeah, yeah. child labor. Yeah. Smart man, your dog, <laughs> your dad. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I did not like when the uh, the basement was flooded with sewage and who knows what. I, that, oh. I didn't like that day, but otherwise not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I otherwise wasn't really too involved in it, but yeah. uh, I kind of grew up. And so, you know, over time in the back of my head was always, I should do that. Um, and my first step in actually doing it was when we moved from the house we had into the house we're in now. And so, you know, people call that accidental landlord because uh, we weren't quite in the position to sell it. Uh, wouldn't have been the best idea. A little bit upside down. Oh, okay. So, but, so you, you had one house, you were at the, t and then you moved into another house, but the, you weren't able to sell the first house. So you had to turn it into a rental. Is, is that what I'm understanding? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we could have sold it, but I didn't want to. Uh, yeah. Plus, I've always wanted to uh, start, you know, something in real estate. So that was my excuse though, that, you know, it's called accidental landlord, but for me, it was yeah. kind of on purpose. It was a way, cause my wife was very uncomfortable with the idea, <laughs> but uh, it was a way for me to, you know, almost force it on her without forcing it on her, you know? Right. right. Um, because Honey, we it, have to, we've got no <laughs> choice. It's, it's I, the only thing we could do. Got it. It's the logical step. So, yeah. And so, you know, for years it, it's taken her a long time. She's, getting comfortable with it now, but still not hundred percent, but um, years that was our only one. And then, you know, took a step, you know, when a good deal came along uh -huh. for another one. And now, you know, I'm involved in uh, just uh, 11 at this point. Wow. I, I yeah. don't own them all, but uh, most of them, you know, are, have partners with some, or we do, you know, a lease purchase with the, with the sellers. Uh -huh. So I have control, but not necessarily ownership. So a mix. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right. Well, let's, Let's dig into this, Robert, because you and I have, believe it or not, kind of similar backgrounds. I too grew up around real estate without getting that involved. Um, my mom was actually the real estate investor in the family. Uh, so that was kind of cool. So I, I was around it. I also didn't get really started until I was I was older. And then I jumped into the creative side of things myself doing subject to type deals and doing sandwich leases and options and all that kind of how to get rich quick with little or no money down type type real yep. estate stuff. The gurus make sound so sexy. Um, so yeah, good on, good on you for that. So a couple of questions I've got. Number one, out of these, these properties that you've got right now, how did you find them? What do you, what do you find has worked best for you for finding motivated sellers? 
Yeah, because I've done a mix. Like I said, there's kind of a mix of uh, some I have conventional mortgages on. Um, some I've brought in some family members help me out with some right. funding or mix my funds and their funds and, and paid cash. Actually, a couple I have owned, my IRA owns a couple, so we pay cash nice. for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and lately I've really just the past few years been focused on the creative, like you said. And um, how do I find those is yeah. a, lot, a lot of phone calls, uh, you know, um, <laughs> dials and dials. <laughs> F- Fizbos. Are you reaching out to Fizbos or who are you reaching out to for phone calls? Somewhat. I typically look at expired listings, um, mm. things that were on the market but didn't sell for whatever reason. Uh, so right. people that wanted to sell, but they didn't. So right. maybe motivated. So see if we can find a solution. So is that the main way is finding these expired listings? Is that what you found has worked best? Yep. That's what I've been really focused on. And sometimes is both, um, but mostly expired listings. Yep. Okay. Very cool. So just, yeah, I'm always fascinated by this because personally, I, I think I'd rather stick a needle in my eyeball than be, than be calling people up like that. That's a, so yep. hats off to you. Because that's a slog uh, and requires uh, a pretty good constitution and a lot of persistence, that's for sure. But just out of curiosity, I don't know if you track it or not, but but what are, you know, out of a hundred calls that you actually get through to the person or, mm-hmm. or walk us through what that kind of looks like as far as how many calls you have to make to get a an answer and how many of those answers do you have to get to get an appointment and what just so people right. understand what you have to do to to make this work? Yeah, I do track the numbers. I don't really have them in my head, uh, okay. and my my mentor would be ashamed at me for that, I'm sure. But oh, give me, uh, <laughs> we won't hold you to it. But ballpark on ballpark. average, yeah, on average, because um, I I agree. I mean, sometimes I don't want to be doing it either. I understand. Uh, I'm sure probably nobody really wants to be doing that, but uh, you know, you do it. Yeah. Um, and so on a, a typical week now, uh, because I do still. I work, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a software developer as well. It's like kind of a full-time job. So I do this, uh, you know, on the off hours. So um, let's say an average week might be a hundred dials. I was round numbers. Um, okay. Yeah. And that's a hundred dials means that you're minimum. calling up a hundred numbers, a hundred expired listings. Okay. Got it. Right. Right. A hundred ring-a-dings. Yeah. Um, not a hundred people I'm talking to, but maybe, uh, maybe 20 people I talk to would be good. Right. Um, and, and uh, well, I mean, I have my week this week so far. On average, every five people I've called or talked to a day, I've gotten one lead. And uh, so far, I've got one appointment set for this week that I'm actually going to go meet with them and see the house. Okay. That, you know, and on average, maybe five appointments you should expect to get a deal under contract. Wow. That's not on bad. average. Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. Depends. But uh, but again, because we're starting with people that wanted to sell, I'm not just calling up random people. Um, right. So, so okay. So let's say it's 100 dials in a week. That might turn into, so that's 20 a day. Let's say Monday through Friday. That might turn into five people actually answering the phone. Right? Give or take. Yep. You know, it, it varies. And then, right. And then that could turn into, do you say five leads in the week or one appointment in the week kind of thing? Right, both, yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah. What does a lead mean to you then? Uh, well, the basic definition would be um, something you're going to follow, right? You follow right. the leader. So there, there, uh, there's, something there's that, some interest in there. You talk to them, and there's there's a sign right. of life in that person. 
Right, because obviously I'm looking for seller financing or something creative, and that's mm-hmm. not going to fit for everybody. So it's somebody that it's not a, I would never do that and hang up. That's yeah. not a lead. I'm not going to follow up with that. Of course. Uh, but somebody is like, eh, maybe I'll have to talk it over. And then, yeah. of course, because it's not a one, I'm going to call and buy your house. It's a multiple contacts. Exactly. So yeah, somebody I'm going to follow up with that might be something there. Okay, very cool. I appreciate you kind of walking us through the, the the process there, Robert. So, so you get them on the phone, there's a, there's a sign of life. Uh, what are you kind of testing for on that phone call to see if they're open for are you trying to find out if they own the property free and clear or those kind of things or how do you, yeah. How do you approach it? Uh, yeah. I, I look for those details of course, uh, but I have solutions, whether they have a mortgage or not. Um, yeah. And even if they're upside down, like I was back in the day, solutions for that. If I knew at the time, you know, maybe, you know, and even when I got married, my wife was trying to sell her house, couldn't sell it. If I knew then what I know now, it would be a different situation. So I'm providing solutions, um, but primarily, so I'm looking for um, the motivation or the pain or what, what did they need? And then see if I can meet that need. Yeah. And typically the need is they need to get the hell out of the house and move on for whatever reason. Right. So are you finding when I was doing this, I was finding it was typically it was divorce, it was relocation, it was death in the family, typically it was something along those lines. Uh, right. Loss or of job. Yeah. Tired landlord. They're just, it was a rental and they're tired of doing tired that. Landlord. Yeah. Or somebody, they just want top dollar and nobody's going to pay it for it. Well, I could come in if I can, you know, pay you over time. Uh-huh. I don't mind paying a full price or even more. I don't care. Yeah. If, if you're going to be the bank for me, we can definitely have that conversation, right? That, yep. that, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so then you get into these properties. You've got 11 on the go right now. Uh, of the creative type ones, what would you say is the most common way that you're that you're purchasing or controlling these kind of properties? Yeah, well, in particular, if they have a mortgage in place, we would usually do a lease purchase or lease with option to buy, mm-hmm. set that up. Um, so a sandwich then, lease, basically, right? So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause then I would put someone in there rent to own, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm in the middle sandwich um, or if it's free and clear, you know, I would, we could still do that. Or I would tend to lean toward, let's do just a straight seller financing monthly payments to you and then a balloon. Right. Um, so those are the, the two do you, most, do you do, most common. So do you do any subject to type deals or is that where you primarily do the, uh, the lease options, uh, the sandwich yep. lease deals? No, my, uh, my best deal so far was uh, basically sub two, although we set it up. And so I'm in the Midwest area land contract is probably more common. So we kind of structured that way, but basically the same thing. Um, yeah. And this was a lady that was really in bad shape. She was behind on her first mortgage. And the second one was a balloon, which was already past due. And Ooh. she didn't have any money. She'd moved to the other side of the state, which is four hours away and like, didn't know what to do. Couldn't sell it. So yeah, I was able to and, and was provide vacant or did she at least have a renter in there at the time. No, no. It, this was a house that her house and then she moved out and wasn't planning to rent it. Okay. Just thought it would sell. It didn't sell. Um, so it. I was able to yeah take it sub two. And that's been my best deal so far. Congratulations. Yeah, those are exciting, exciting type deals. So, uh, Robert, what what are you planning to do moving ahead? It sounds like this is working pretty nicely for you. What what are your plans for the next year or two? 
Yep. Yeah. Continue on the same creative solutions uh, in part because that's the one uh, that my wife is mostly warmed up to because uh, <laughs> usually it's it's less of us, you know, our funds getting involved a uh, little to none, right? So yeah. she likes that idea. Um, more of that I'm considering, you know, how can I kind of level up the, the deal flow? How can I do more? Mm. Uh, and part of that, and I was thinking, and right up your alley is, well, can I bring in, fun, you know, outside funding sources to, if they needed some down payment that I don't have, okay, get somebody else involved. Right. If I can get more people involved, I can help more people sell and, and do a lot more. Yeah. So two things, it's, it's deal flow and then it's capital flow, obviously. And, and it sounds like you've really dialed it in with the, the phone calls. Um, but yeah, that would, that would be probably one of the things I'd look at outsourcing as quickly as possible uh, would be the, the dials. And I've seen a lot of other folks back in the day when I was doing creative deals, um, I, I did a lot of marketing to try to generate leads to get people calling me instead of me having to call them. But I do like the outbound as well, because it sounds like the numbers really make sense. It's just a matter of grinding through them. And I think, no, I don't think I know that um, there's a lot of opportunity for you if you outsource, outsource that to a virtual assistant even. And what it reminds me of, Robert, is a, a young fellow I interviewed last year, I think it was, slightly different situation. He was a realtor, but it was almost the same idea. He was, my God, he was the most persistent son of a gun I've, I think I've ever met. He, he spent a year cold calling people before he got his first listing a year. Wow. I I would have, I would have burned out after a couple of hours. He grinded it out for a year before he finally got his first listing. Then he got better and he got pretty good. He got to the kind of the stage where you're at, where he was getting pretty good at, well, he was getting very good at doing this himself. And he created a pretty good deal flow for himself, but he realized that he was the bottleneck, right? Cause there's only so many, so many calls he could do in a day plus go out. And in his case, he was, you know, doing listings and all the the realtor type stuff on top of it. So in your situation, you're doing the calls, plus you're the guy that goes out and visits and negotiates and talks. And then you're, you're the guy that does the deal, gets everything set up and manages it and, and all that kind of stuff. So what he did was he out, he, he created the, standard operating procedures for this. Basically he recorded himself and videoed himself. And then he hired his first VA and he got her up and going. He got her to the stage where she's about 80% as good as he was, which actually didn't take very long, right? Cause he had it pretty dialed in and said, okay, that's awesome. I don't ever expect them to become as good as I am, but 80% is pretty good. He ended up getting, I believe if I'm not mistaken, 11 or 12 people doing the calls for him wow. blew up his business. Absolutely. Because, you know, whatever is six or 700 bucks a month per VA to be making the phone calls for you. Right. And as the business grew, he just hired more and more and more of them. And then he started getting into real estate investing as an investor, instead of just as a, a realtor, kind of did the same thing with VAs and, and out looking for yep. deals, but he was different market, different 
asset class, but the same idea. So it's definitely, definitely doable. That's one way to scale. And then, like you say, yeah, the the other piece of the of, of the puzzle is now that you've got such a good track record, raising capital can be very, very simple and straightforward for you, especially because you're comfortable talking on the phone with people and and doing this kind of this kind of thing. I I think you could really hit it out of the park. And then if you're able to kind of combine both of those, then you're on right. fire because you've got the capital that you need to do all the deals. And you've got a lot more deal flow as well without you having to make all those phone calls. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for it's, sure. It's it's exciting stuff. So um, what? So it sounds like you've already got a, uh, some experience working with partners or investors or joint venture partners. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what does that look like? A little bit. Uh, I guess my main partnership, if you will, is really kind of a coaching mm-hmm. uh, partnership. So uh, we meet um, every week in a small group and then uh, another time every week uh, with a larger group to just talk, you know, what's going on. We need help with and all that. Um, and uh, a few of the deals uh, that I needed some money up front, they were able to provide that. And, you know, if it, since it was good enough and they were willing to, to partner up, uh, you know, split the profits on that. So great. I wouldn't have been able to do those otherwise. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, plus, I mentioned, you know, before that, even uh, I got my I think the first time was my mother. She got involved. Uh, it was like, nice. Good old this mom. opportunity. My, my, right. my mom invested with me back in the day as well. Yeah. That's yep. Good. And even uh, my son helped me out at one point because he's just been working and saving up and didn't know what to do with it. And I said, well, <laughs> here we go. I I need here. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No, you're. You're very, very well positioned, Robert. And what what I would recommend for you, lots, lots of different ideas, but some, some easy stuff right off the the get go. Is have you cashed out any of those investors? Uh, not is, yet. Not uh, yet. We're getting close on one, but not yet. Okay, and but are they getting some cash flow throughout the deal? Are they are they making some yes. money, or is it like all a balloon at the end? No, it's a cash flow, and then they get a balloon when we when we cash out. Okay, but they are seeing a return on their investment in the meantime, correct? Yeah, yep. yeah. So do you do you meet with them from time to time to update them on how things are going? Right. Uh, well, with my family members, um, yeah, this is kind of a casual. I don't have any nothing. Hey, let's formal. meet and talk about the deal, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, family, so we meet up now and then, and uh, <laughs> it comes we up talk about the deal. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. But with some of these other guys that have come in from the group, do you, do you meet with them from time to time to catch them up on what's going on or you just see them in the weekly meeting type thing? Yeah. Well, I see them there. Um, but it's almost, uh, it's almost like they're have more control because we, we, um, we buy them like sub two or one we paid cash for, Mm -hmm. um, and they take ownership in their name. So it's like they're they are legitimate joint venture partner type. Right. Yeah. They're, they're involved in the deal directly. Yeah. So the almost, it's almost a reverse relationship. If you want to think of it that way, where they would want to inform me, although I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with what's going on. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. So a tip I, I might have for you right off the top of my head would be even with your family members would be maybe to jump on a zoom call, like we're doing right now for the, uh, for, the for this podcast interview and just you, you record it like we're doing. And you just kind of talk about things and you, you you ask them about, you know, how, how are you feeling about the investment? How are you feeling about, you know, the, the, the deal? 
You were a little bit nervous before we got into this. How do you feel about it now? How do the returns compare to some of the other things that you've done? These kind of conversational things, trying to get more than just yes or no answers from people. And then at the towards the end, you say, hey, you know what? Do you know anybody else who might be interested in these kind of deals? And then that way you can also get a referral potentially. Does that make sense, Robert? Yes. And you record all of this and then you ask their permission. Hey, there were some, some good little nuggets in there. Would you mind if I use this as a testimonial? And then you create a video testimonial from that. If they say, no, I'm not really comfortable with that. That's okay. Then you say this. Okay. Well, how about if I do this? How about if I take some of the, the nuggets that you said there and I'll write them up and I'll email them to you. And if it looks okay to you, can I use that as a written testimony? And then if they don't go for the video, they will go for the written testimonial. And then that just really helps build up the, uh, the, the credibility with other potential investors. Plus, you, you might get introduced to some of their friends and family and acquaintances that have capital as well. Right. Yeah, it's a good idea. I have been working on, uh, not quite ready yet, but um, working on video series geared towards sellers. Uh, I call it real different real estate because it's all about the creative stuff. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, take that same idea, apply it to investors. Uh, hadn't quite thought of that. That's a, I appreciate that idea. No, yeah, that's that's great. I think you're, You've, you've got a good track record, a lot of experience under your belt now, and, and you've been working with some joint venture partners and some investors. Now it's time to leverage that to help you find more of them. So besides a, a few little things like that, do you see any other challenges moving ahead with your plan there, Robert? Uh, challenges, I'm not sure of. I, I was My main focus is... Uh... Uh, you know, how can I get more done with uh, less of my, you know, wanting to poke my eyes out, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep those eyeballs nice and safe, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's what I would be thinking of if I were you when it comes comes to the uh, lead generation for the deals is how can I create a very easy to follow system for somebody so that I can outsource this. And the beautiful thing is, Robert, and I, I know you, you you say you're in, you're a, uh, you've got a programming background. Is that correct? Computer? Yeah, I have. A, yeah, my background is software and theater. So I'm a, Software I'm and theater. Well, that's an interesting. <laughs> wow, that's quite the. Indeed. Okay, so, so, so you're completely aware that, you know, in the whole software world, the outsourcing stuff overseas is huge. And there's a gazillion people that, that do this stuff oh, yeah. all over the world. Well, so with that in mind, like, how can we outsource some of this grunt work with the lead generation to somebody else that without expecting them to do it at 100%, but even if it's hell, even if it's 70% as good as you do, you get somebody on board doing it in conjunction with you doing it, that's going to boost things up. And then, you know, then you can outsource another person if they come on at 70, 80%. Now you're at a you know, you're at 150 to 160% of where you're at right now. And it probably only costs you a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month to do that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Awesome. Well, my friend, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to get to know you a little bit and chat about what you're up to with real estate investing. It, uh, it brings back memories because that's what I cut my teeth on was these creative type deals and doing 
sandwich leases and, and options and working with motivated sellers. But I don't think I had it dialed in as well as you do, especially, you know, it, it sounds like you got a good consistent lead flow. Mine was a lot more up and down, um, yeah. less, less reliable. So hats off somehow, you. somehow your eyes are still intact. So I, I, I applaud <laughs> you for that. <laughs> now it can be rough. So if people want to connect with you, Robert, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can find me, uh, as I mentioned a bit ago, uh, that realdifferentrealestate.com, which again, is geared towards sellers, but uh, you want to get in touch, you can contact me through that, whether you're a fellow real estate investor or I just want to chat about whatever, I I, feel free. Awesome. Uh, Real different real estate. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Robert. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode.